Bible, if you want to open it up to James 4, turn it on and scroll there, whatever you uh, would like to do, it'll be on our screen as well, James chapter 4. Uh, we're in a series that we're calling Talk is Cheap, uh, where we're looking at one chapter of James each week. We'll finish this out next week, so uh, glad that you could be here for that. I also want to just say thank you to our church family uh, for allowing my family to get away for a week last week. And uh, we were able just to go on vacation and not have to worry about anything, which was wonderful. And so I appreciate not only our team, uh, but Pastor Joe leading out in that. Um, and I, I say this uh, very, very confidently, and I'm not just saying it because his parents are here um, or his family, but Pastor Joe is one of the finest men and pastors that I've ever had the privilege to know. And uh, it is a blessing to be able to leave and not have to worry about things. Um, as a church planter, a two-and-a-half-year-old two church, many uh, pastors are not afforded that opportunity, even in established churches. And so for me to be able just to leave and to spend time with my family and not get phone calls and text messages saying things that are, are happening or going wrong, uh, he just takes care of it. And that is a huge, huge blessing. Many people would be privileged to have him as their associate pastor. So, uh, Joe, I appreciate you, um, but that's all the nice things I'm going to say about you for probably like six months. So... Um, <laughs> If you have a copy of God's Word, James chapter 4, as I said, if you'll stand with me in honor of reading God's Word. So Living Hope Columbus, one of our values is that we are for the gospel, uh, meaning that we elevate and celebrate the finished work of Jesus, but also the Word of God. We think it's incredible that God chose to communicate to us through a book. He didn't have to do anything, but he chose to do this. And so for that, we want to honor his Word. James chapter 4, James writes this, starting in verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are like a vapor that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this day. God, for just the celebratory nature of this service this morning, dedicating those children. Uh, God, I pray that that carries us through the rest of this service. Lord, I pray that your spirit would continue to be among us. Lord, that we would celebrate what Jesus did on the cross. Father, give us the ears we need to hear your word today, the hearts to receive it, hands and feet to live it out as we chase Jesus when we leave this property today. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I brought a little prop today that i got to turn on here for a second. We're going to use it for just a minute uh, here in a moment. But you've probably used one of these at your home, uh, a cool mist humidifier. If your kid had a cold, if they have a cough, if they got something going on, often we set those up in the rooms of our children to help them breathe, to clear their nasal passages. And I think that humidifier right there, and we're going to refer to it again here in a moment, illustrates so perfectly what James is communicating to us here in James chapter 4. But before we get over there, I want to ask us, uh, or really make a, a quick statement that I want to serve as kind of a foundation for where we're going today as we walk through these few verses. And it's this idea, that everything in this world has a shelf life. Everything in this world has an expiration date. Everything in this world, in some capacity, is, is temporary. This evening, if you go to the grocery store to pick up groceries to prepare for your week, everything that you put in your cart except for Twinkies. For some reason, Twinkies do not expire, and I still can't figure that out. But everything that you put in your cart ultimately has a shelf life. The milk that you buy this week will expire in about 10 days. 
That loaf of bread that you put into your cart in about two weeks will probably mold. Uh, the, The meat that you buy will only last a few days. Your vegetables and fruit will eventually rot. Everything has a shelf life. The car that you drove in today to get to church at some point will break down and not be operational anymore because that car has a shelf life. Everything in the world eventually breaks down it expires, or ultimately it dies. It's just the reality of living in a fallen creation. And what James teaches us here in James chapter 4 is that as human beings, we are no different. We are not immune or exempt from having an expiration date, from having a shelf life. We're the exact same. I read this past week. Then in America, our life expectancy is slowly increasing, but currently in our country, the expiration date of most humans on average is 79 years of age. That's a pretty long time to live. I'm 32 years old. That means I'm not quite to halfway of my life. Some of y'all are sitting here going, oh my gosh, I'm approaching 79. This is getting scary. Right, 70, That seems like a pretty long time, but the reality that James points us to, especially in verse 14, is that if we're average and we live 79 years on this planet, that it's really not much time at all. That the time that the Lord does bless us with, and it is a gracious, merciful gift from God that He even allows us to live any length of time on this planet. That's simply an expression of grace from Him. But James reminds us that it's really not that much time at all. Even this simple illustration, you know, James could have used anything to compare our lives to and the brevity of our our lives to, but he chose to use mist. He chose to use this this fog. And I think it's interesting that, watch, when I turn this off, one, two, three, four, gone. In four simple seconds, that mist is gone. And that's the illustration that James chooses to use to describe our lives. That that quick, we're here, we're living, and we're gone. The brevity of human life. In comparison to eternity, a blip on the radar. So the question I want us to answer today is this. In whatever time frame that the Lord grants me, whether it be 30 years, 50 years, 79 years beyond that, who knows, it's all grace. How do I steward my time on earth well? What do I do with what Jesus has given me, the time that I've been given? How do I I live that well for the glory of God? Psalm 90, verse 12, David wrote these words. He said, teach us to number our days carefully. Teach us, Lord, to, to pay attention to the amount of time that we've been given. Why? So that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. We're only given this much. How do I live well for the glory of God and live in a wise way? And James gives us some really great principles here in these few verses that I think um, give us really a blueprint that we can follow on how to plan our lives and live our lives well for the glory of God. But here's what I, one thing I, I want to address real quick, is James is also going to teach us to walk along a tension, kind of a tightrope per se, here in these passages. Because the tension that we, we find ourselves here in, in James chapter 4, is this balance that we have to live in uh, where there's the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. And we have to live in both camps at the exact same time. Now think about this. We're going to get into a little theology here, just some real basic theology. So if this stuff stresses you out, just take an aspirin or something, you'll be fine. All right? A little basic theology. Sovereignty of God, if you're unfamiliar with this this term. 
That basically means that God is in control of all things past, present, future at the exact same time. Nothing catches him off guard. He is in complete control. And anything that happens had to be sifted through his hand first. Sovereignty of God. Free will of man also says that God created us with a mind, a will, and emotion. He created us with rationale and decision-making abilities. You're not a robot. God gave you the ability to choose and to do and to make decisions that affect you, but also affect other people at the exact same time. And so we have to live in this strange tension that our minds really can't grasp of how can God be in complete control at all times, yet at the exact same time, I have complete choice and free will in every single decision that I make. They're both biblical and they're both found in Scripture. How does that really work? I'm going to give you the answer to this. You're going to want to write this down. You ready for it? I have no idea. (laughs) The Bible doesn't really tell us. All the Bible teaches us is that sovereignty of God is true, free will of man is true, and somehow they work together. And the finite human mind, we try to reconcile these things. We come up with theological camps to explain them. And James goes, no, 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 we just walk on both. We don't have to explain it. Here's the best way I can explain it to you. When you were a kid, maybe you played on railroad tracks. I did, not a good idea, all right? Kids in this room, please don't do that. I'm not endorsing playing on railroad tracks. But when you played on a railroad track, if you stood there on that railroad track right in the center, there would be two tracks on either side of you. Let's say the left track represents the sovereignty of God. The right track represents the free will of man. Where you stand, they are not together. No matter how hard you try, you may try to pull those two tracks together. You have in your ability no way to pull those two tracks together because they're different. They function independently, yet together to make a train move forward. Now watch this. If you look off into the horizon, what happens to those tracks? They do this. You ever notice that? The further you look down, the closer those tracks get together. But when you begin to walk towards that, what happens? They continue to stay apart. The best way I can explain the free will of man and the sovereignty of God to you is God's down there. We're here. He knows how they come together. We're still down where they get apart. But yet we're called to live in that tension of they work together. Now, let's answer our question today. How do I steward my life well? How do I plan my life well for the glory of God? James makes it very clear. Three things I want us to see real quick. First off, we've got to learn to plan well. Plan well. Verse 13. It's going to be on our screen again. James says this, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we're going to travel to such and such city. We're going to spend a year there. We're going to do business. We're going to make a profit. Most Bible scholars would tell you that what James in this section of the passage that he's writing was addressing different business people that were present in the scattered church all over the region. And he's addressing some of the practices that they had developed, but the principle still applies here in verse 13. Friends, hear this. We need to learn to plan out our lives well. And in one sentence, James gives us a perfect outline to do this. Often we see this verse as a negative. Actually, it's not a negative. It's just missing one ingredient. It's like eating a cookie without sugar. You can still do it, but you put the sugar in and it makes sense now. That's what's going on here in this verse. Because look at the plan. First off, it says that they had a starting date. James is using a hypothetical to describe what these people were doing. But it's still pretty good. What was the starting date? Today or tomorrow? They had a starting date of what they wanted to do. Good plans have a beginning. It's okay to plan out your life. Did you know that? Sometimes in Christian circles, we're like, yeah, we've got to leave room for the will of God. Stop it. 
It's okay to make plans. They had a plan when they were going to start. They had a location to accomplish their plan. What they say? We're going to travel to such and such a city. We're going to go someplace. Third, they had a time frame to accomplish their plan. What do they say? We're going to spend a year there. Next, they had an objective to accomplish. They knew what they needed to do to accomplish the plan. What are they going to do? The Bible says in verse 13, they were going to do business. And then they had a goal. They knew what they wanted the outcome to be. What was the outcome? They were going to make a profit. This is actually a pretty good outline for us. A starting date, a location, a time frame, an objective, a goal. You want to know how to plan life well? Here's a great outline to use. Now hear me. Good planning honors God. Matthew 25, the parable of the stewards, parable of the talents. Each one given something by God to steward and to steward well. And Jesus ends up commending the ones that planned well and the ones that came back with more because they stewarded what they were given well by God. Too often, I'm guilty of this too, I walk through life aimlessly and recklessly under the umbrella of, well, I'm just trusting Jesus. Listen, friends. That's like getting in a car, pressing the gas, and saying, I'm just going to trust the car to do its thing. I drive a Honda, not a Tesla. It doesn't work. All right? God gave us minds. He gave us the ability to think. He gave us logic. He gave us uh, uh, ways to, to, to use what our minds and our brains well. This is good. Planning is good. James tells us to make plans. But here's the danger, and here's what James shows us we're missing. We're only standing on the track of free will right now. The track that was missing here, and we're going to see added in our second point, is the track of God's sovereignty. That was that missing ingredient that he's addressing to these business people. Here's our, our second point. Plan with perspective. Plan with perspective. Verse 14 you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, what your life's going to be, because you're like a vapor. There's our illustration over there. You're like a vapor that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. Jump down to verse 16. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. What were they arrogant about? We're going to go and do these things with no regard for God. We're just trusting in our own will, but not leaning into his sovereignty as well. And what's James say? All boasting is evil. If you were to pull up my phone right now, you could pull up my calendar on my phone. And on that calendar, you would see over the next several weeks that I have several things scheduled, different meetings I have to go to, breakfasts and lunches that I have to have with people, different appointments to keep, travel arrangements. It's good to plan. Verse 14 shows us that it's good, or 13 shows us that it's good to make plans, but that's only walking on free will. God's sovereignty, the other track, shows us that that could all change tomorrow, and that's okay. We need to learn to plan our lives well, but we also need to understand that that could all change tomorrow, and that is okay. You know, I have no clue, and James tells me here in verse 14, it's kind of like a bop over the head. He says, you have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, you can plan for it, and that's good. But you have no clue what's going to happen, because here's what's going to happen probably. Um, your car's going to break this week. Been there, done that, bought the shirt. Your kids are probably going to end up getting fevers, and you didn't plan for that. Maybe something's going to happen at your job that you didn't expect. It wasn't on your calendar. The reality is life is demanding, but thankfully God's already there. That's what makes the Christian life a little bit different. 
We can plan with the understanding that God is still sovereign, so even things that may catch me by surprise never catch him by surprise. Praise Jesus. Do you know God has never called an emergency meeting of heaven where he had to gather the angels and go, I didn't know that was going to happen. It's never happened before. He knows tomorrow while we're still in today. He's not surprised. 14b, verse 14. James says, you're like a vapor that appears for a little while and then you vanish. You know how we keep the sovereignty of God in perspective in our lives? When we understand the brevity of our lives. That I may plan for tomorrow, but ultimately, God is in complete control as well. When we understand how brief life is. I need to intentionally steward and manage what God gave me and plan well for my life, but also understand that eternity is a lot longer than tomorrow. Friends, listen. We spend more time planning for tomorrow than we do eternity. You ever thought about that? I spend more time planning for the place that I'm going to spend the least time don't we? When I should be spending more time planning for the place that I'm going to spend the majority of my existence. Let me give you a little illustration today. I thought about this this week um, with a simple penny. So I, I love illustrations. I love, it just helps me see scripture and it helps things stick with me. So simple penny. Most of us have these at home in a jar somewhere. You probably have a vacation fund, a new car fund, something like that with like 60 bucks in pennies in there. That's not going to get you much of a vacation, but you can try. You can stay at the Super 8 somewhere, right? But a simple penny. Simple penny right here. Let's say that this represents your life. Most of us, pennies are uh, pretty insignificant to us. I used to be a manager at Pizza Hut for years. I actually had a delivery driver that anytime he got a penny, he'd throw it in the trash can. He said, I don't need these. They're insignificant. They're not worthwhile to me. But let's say that this simple penny represents your life. And if you're average, you're going to live for 79 years. 79 years represented by one penny. Let's just say that real quick. How many pennies do you think you could hold in one hand? Just you can throw out a simple guess. There's, there's a lot of wrong answers, so this isn't one of those times where there's no wrong answers. And don't say Jesus, because that's wrong too, all right? How many pennies can you hold in one hand? What do you think? Somebody say a number. 75. Andy's got big hands. <laughs> 75 pennies. Average, average human can actually hold about 100 pennies in their hand, all right? Actually, the world record is 371, because that's what we needed a world record for. You imagine some guy sitting in his living room, hey, babe, got an idea. I wonder if I can hold 371 pennies in my right hand. I don't know. People are weird. He was probably eating those expired Twinkies. Anyways, 100 pennies in your right hand. So average person, 100 pennies in their, their right hand. If each penny represents 79 years, that means in one hand, you could hold 7,900 years worth of pennies in one hand. You know that the universe is only 8,000 years old? If you're a young earth creation believer, which, which we are around here, we believe that the universe is that God created it 8,000 years ago. So that means in one hand, you could hold enough pennies, if each penny is valued at 79 years, to span the entire existence of the universe. That's pretty crazy, in one hand. Insignificant penny. Most of you have seen me carry around my gallon of water. How many pennies do you think you can carry in one gallon of water? A lot. Cop-out answer. Just throw a number out there. 1,500, 8,000 in one gallon of water, 8,000 pennies. If each penny represents 79 years, that means in one gallon of water, you can have 632,000 years worth of pennies carried in one gallon of water. 
I'm not very good at math, but that's 79 times longer than the universe has even existed in one gallon of water. And your life represents one penny. Let's get real crazy for a second. This room right here where we sit, how many pennies can fit in this room? You're not even going to guess. 900 million in just this room. That's enough pennies that if we were to line them up back to back from the east coast to the west coast, it'd go across five times in just this room. That number's so big, I couldn't even write it down on how many years that represents. And you get 79 of them. You see how eternity is significantly longer than what we have on this earth? Eternity is exponentially longer than what we get on this planet. Lives are short, but we spend more time planning for this life than we do preparing for the next one. Friends, it is very biblical, Matthew 25, to plan and to steward our lives well on this earth, but also understand that this isn't the end, thank Jesus. We have a greater hope. We have a greater purpose. We have a greater heavenly home waiting for us. That's why we need to be so cautious and understand that everything that we, quote, build on this planet to make a name for ourselves, to increase our value and our worth, James says, will ultimately vanish. The word vanish that he uses there is the same word that Jesus used in Matthew 6, verse 19, to describe what happens when the moth and rust destroy our earthly treasures. That ultimately, everything that we build on this earth, Matthew 16, 9, let me just read it to you. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Someday, everything that we acquire, build on this earth will eventually be gone. When you, it's the old adage, when you die, you can't take it with you. That house you have, somebody else will buy it. The car you own will end up in a junkyard. The money in your account, somebody else is going to take it. The name you've built, three generations will be gone. That's why we need to make sure, hear me, that with the 79 years that Jesus gives me on this planet, I need to be more concerned with making a name for him and not myself. That's the goal of the Christian life. I plan to make a name for Jesus, not a name for Aaron. That's how I plan my life well. That's how I steward my life well. That's how I accomplish my purpose on this earth. How? Last point, verse 3. Make sure you plan with him. James says in verse 15, watch this. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we're going to live and do this and do that. Why do we plan? Because that honors Jesus. Why do we plan with eternity in mind? Because that exalts Jesus. Why do we plan with God in every step of our lives? Because that ensures we keep him at the center. That ensures we walk on both sides of the track of free will and sovereignty. God cannot be an afterthought to my plans. I've done this more times than not. I begin to make a big plan or a life shift or something going on in, in my, myself personally. And I tell people, I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to go to this place. I'm going to do this thing. And then what do we tack on right at the end because we're super Christians? If it's the Lord's will, don't we? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. If it's God's will. And we, we, try to, we do that to try to sound like incredibly spiritual, but it's really not spiritual. In fact, what would be more spiritual is walking closely day by day with Jesus, spending time with Jesus day by day in his word, always talking to him, engaging with him, seeking him moment by moment, and always asking the question, Lord, right now, how can I use this next decision to honor you? Lord, right now, how can I ensure that I'm walking in step with your will? My, my friend that passed away like five years ago, Clint, used to always tell us, 
You need to constantly be asking Jesus, what do you want me to do with the next 10 seconds? What do you want me to do with the next 10 seconds of my life? Because that's what I want to do if it honors you. We, we, we plan with Jesus and we, we let him reconcile the rest. Listen, I told my wife this week, we uh, have been trying to make some life decisions and some things that were kind of up in the air and a, a pretty big one actually where we were going to be purchasing a home this past week and we had made an offer and we'd done everything that we needed to do and we were so excited and it was going to be in the same school district for my daughter and man, we were pumped. We had all these plans of how this was all going to work out. And then yesterday we got the call and they said, hey, somebody actually came in with a cash offer. They're not going to take your offer. But you know what's interesting is when we begin to learn to live our lives like this, too often I'm guilty of doing this. Jesus, this is mine and this is mine and these are my things that I've planned for and I've earned and they're mine and you can't take them. When those things get taken, that's when life falls apart. But when we learn to live like this and we say, Jesus, here's my plans. Here's the things that I think you want me to do. Lord, I believe you're calling me to this. You know when you live open-handed and the things leave your hands, it doesn't hurt as much? Because you realize that God's still in control. It doesn't nearly hurt as bad as it did. Because if it doesn't work out the way I thought it should, okay, God's in control. If things change, okay, God's in control. If the world turns upside down, okay, he's still in control. I exercised my will, but I trust in his sovereignty. The original question was this, how do I steward my time well in this life? How do I plan well? I want to reframe it with this and then we're done. What do you want to accomplish with your life? 79 years. What do you want to do? For me, here's a few things that I've wanted to do. I wanted to get a master's degree, which I was able to do. I wanted to get married. She hasn't left me yet, so we're good. I wanted to have a family, two beautiful daughters, eight and two. I wanted to plant a church. I've wanted to do this since I was 20 years old. I want to write a book in progress, 2021. I want to step foot on every continent on the planet. I'm close, four in. Those are things that plans that I have that I want to do that I think the Lord is calling me to. But I think we could take James's encouragement here in these few verses and answer that question, how do I steward my time well? What do I want to accomplish with my life? And what if we re reframed it this way? What if we began to see our plans as a means to an end to honor Jesus? as a means to an end to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in our lives. So for me, some of the things that I just wrote down this week and then we're done. I want to get a master's degree to further my skill set to equip God's people well. I want to get married to show the world the gospel through a marriage. I want to have a family and raise children that know Jesus and there are powerhouses for the kingdom of God long past my life. I want to plant a church to help people find and follow Jesus. I want to write a book so people can know Jesus more through the insights that God gave me. I want to step foot on every continent because the gospel's worth it. We see the difference? My plans and my goals as a means to an end to exalt Jesus. That's why we plan. That's how we walk on the track of free will and sovereignty. And that's how we steward what God has given us. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Father, we, we've talked so much about Jesus today. And God, I pray if there's anybody in here, Lord, that maybe doesn't have that relationship with you yet, 
Your word says if they confess with their mouth that you are Lord and believe in your heart that God raised them from the de- you from the dead, you, they will be saved. Incredibly simple, eternity-altering decision. And I pray if anybody doesn't know the Jesus that we've talked about today in a personal way that they'd cry out to you. Father, I also pray as we pray every week, Lord, help us to take what we've heard from your word and take it with us this week. God, help us reframe our planning, keeping eternity in perspective, Lord, keeping your sovereignty in perspective and utilizing the gift sets that you've given us to steward life well for your glory. Jesus, as we sing, I pray that our voices would echo to heaven, Lord, and that you would tilt your ear from your throne to hear our praises. We love you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray these things. Amen.